station, but we're here for a real education. Welcome to A Real Education. I'm your host, Tim Wick. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, movie documentarian, <laughs> Melissa Kersher. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I go to 11. You do. And we are also joined by uh, our movie our movie newbie. We're going to say she's our movie drummer. <laughs> oh, 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 Tim. I have a feeling that'll be funnier it's, it's for me later. Of, yeah, oh, it, it will be. be. <laughs> oh, it will uh, be. <laughs> Allison Anderson. Hello, Hello. Allison. And we are here to watch This is Spinal Tap. This is Spinal Tap. So, Allison, since you have never seen the movie, you need to tell us what do you know about This is Spinal Tap? Almost nothing. Almost nothing. I know it's a kind of a, a cult favorite. I know it's about a band. Mm-hmm. I know it's got the dude from Princess Bride. The dude yep. from Princess Bride. <laughs> yeah, a couple of dudes from Princess Bride, yeah. really. Um, but that's how I think of it, you know, in my mm-hmm. head. So, uh, yeah, that's about it. That's the extent of my knowledge. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> basically nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a that's whole great. Lot of nothing. That's great. That's like I, that's what I like to hear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's, that so is, happy I could help. That is your role. Your role. Your function here today is to know is nothing. To know nothing. <laughs> and you do so for listeners. That's <laughs> uh, you know, we got to be kind of spoiler free about well, this movie. I feel I like a little bit of setup is helpful. Going a little in. bit of setup, yeah. Um, because, well, I, I will let you continue and sure. I, I will jump in if necessary. Sure. I th- this mm-hmm. movie. Uh, is what is called a mockumentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, if one might even, it might be the definitive mockumentary. I don't know if it was and technically the first, but uh, oh no, it's it's not yeah. the first. But it is a it is a film that is made to look like a documentary, mm-hmm. but it is not. It is not. And in the scope of this podcast, we have seen a different mockumentary before because we watched a Mighty Wind. Yes, which was made by. Many Very much many of the same people <laughs> <laughs> because um. they are the masters of the mockumentary. <laughs> but this was the first one done by this team of people. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, they, they and, um, arguably the best, but I think it really comes down to personal preference. Okay. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it has to, they, they, they've, they've picked various topics over the years and, um, and uh, some of them, I, I think it really comes down to what topic most speaks to you. Yes. Uh, so yeah, as a folk it, musician, I certainly find a mighty wind uh, appealing. Whereas best in show hits me where I live. Because <laughs> ah. it's yeah. about dogs. Because it's about it's dogs. It's about dogs, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you um, have dogs. That's, uh, you have fantastic dogs. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. I love my dogs. So, uh, <laughs> you know, what else do you want to add to that, Melissa? Um... Well, it's it's a mockumentary about music, music uh, documentaries, and it is um, very highly regarded because it hits very close to home. Okay, um, there were a lot of people who saw this movie and did not understand it was a mockumentary, particularly people in the music business. <laughs> they were going, "How did they make a movie about us?" But that's not us. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get into that later. Okay. So it there's a lot of it that's played very straight, very, very, very mm-hmm. straight, and then and then it goes veering off into silly land. And uh, it there are set additional layers mm-hmm. that are even more fun for music nerds, like people who have seen previous 
music, like actual music documentaries, sure. like The Last Waltz and Give Me Shelter and like all these music documentaries that came out in the 60s and 70s okay. out of, about all these iconic rock groups. There's so much of that that feeds into this movie. But you don't okay. have to know that in order to enjoy this film because That's there's good, a there's I a see those yeah there's a there's a lot of I mean it all makes sense sure. in in its own context as well. Okay. Right. So we're going to go off. We're going to watch This is Final Tap. You should do so as well. That's mm. how this works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh we will be back very shortly. And we are back. Many gloves have been smelled. Many drummers have exploded. <laughs> and we... <laughs> Approximately 32 drummers have exploded. Well, only two of them exploded. Or, or so... Yeah, anyway. Well, one choked on vomit. <laughs> but it wasn't his own, so... No, yeah, but you can't <laughs> dust right. for vomit. You can't yeah. dust for vomit. <laughs> but, but, but they do mention an earlier drummer who exploded. And, of course, our current, semi-current drummer explodes as well. Yes. Near the end of this. So at least two drummers. Anyway, the point is... <laughs> We've watched Spinal Tap, and uh, Allison, uh, it's your first time watching This Is Spinal Tap, so you get to start and tell us what you thought of This Is Spinal Tap. Uh, Well, I thought it was ridiculous, but I think I'm supposed to think that. I hope so. (laughs) So, yeah, oh, it was just, it was very absurd, and I loved it. Um, uh, Just so many little moments and stupid things, like (laughs) trying to play the guitar with the violin and not working. (laughs) So, adjusting the tuning key, that would, that would have fixed it just fine, you know? Yes. <laughs> Tightening the string on the violin cleared that all up. Yeah. So, well, that's, that's, yeah. that's all you I, have to I do. I love yeah. that touch. I love that moment <laughs> so much. <laughs> so, yeah, it was ridiculous, but it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is a really fun movie. Um, <laughs> it did, uh, it, it, the... I, I watched this movie and enjoyed it, and and as happens sometimes, uh, back when Roger Ebert was still alive, he had this column called "Great Movies." And one week he wrote about this is Spinal Tap. I'm like, what? <laughs> this is this is. I mean, he's writing about it's, Citizen Kane and sure. Casablanca, and then one week he's like, this is Spinal Tap. I'm like, oh, but I've, yeah. And then I watched it. I'm like, it, 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 it's it, brilliant. It, <laughs> it's really good. Really <laughs> um, okay, Roger, I accept this as uh, as 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 a theory. Well, um, well the thing is, it, well, this as you can probably tell, this movie is almost entirely improvised. There was no script. Okay. They basically for each there was scene, a script credit. Yes, and I'll get to that. Um, yeah. So. Um, it w- the the main team behind the movie is Rob Reiner, who is the director, also mm-hmm. appears in the movie as Marky DeBerry. Marty DeBerry. Sure. And then the the three musicians, Harry okay. Shearer and Christopher Guest and uh, Michael uh, McKean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Michael McKean. Um, so the four of them had um, actually come up with the concept of Spinal Tap for okay. a sketch comedy show. They were There was a TV pilot they all worked on, and, sure. and they got together and they created Spinal Tap, and they did like 20 minutes of footage. But they found that the best comedy came out of just all these guys improvising together. <laughs> and so um, 
they came up with the concept for the movie. And so for each scene, they kind of had an idea of, they kind of hashed out where they wanted each scene to go. Mm-hmm. Like, here's point A, here's point B. Here's a couple things about the characters, but that's it. Everything sure. else, you just put really talented improvisers in a room together and let them go. <laughs> and um, in a couple of the editions of the DVD, there's um, like acres of stuff that they didn't edit into the film okay. that um, is just like additional uh, stuff at, at party scenes and all that. And it's just more of them improvising. And it's really remarkable. Just also, the, the DVD uh, has my single favorite commentary track in all of commentary track. Yes. Wow. Because uh, they have Harry Shearer, uh, Michael McKeon and uh, Christopher Guest playing their characters from the movie doing a commentary track oh, about the no. movie. Yes. And they're and they're pissed as hell. Yes. Because That's they amazing. because they can't believe how bad the movie makes them look. <laughs> so it's this this amazingly meta commentary track yes. with with f- fictional characters commenting on um. a documentary that they view as real. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, uh, and, and you see, uh, you get a little bit of it because in the load screen sure. for this is Spinal Tap, you you were noticing it's like they were the the characters were commenting comment, commenting and you were like, is the movie has the movie started yet? Yes. <laughs> um, well, it's, uh, it's black. It's, it's like, small. but it has no stars. It's it's <laughs> like like pastel black. <laughs> Oh, that looks nice. No, 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 no. no. Now it's too small. Now it's too small. (laughs) (laughs) And they're just so brilliant at Mm -hmm. coming up with this stuff. And it's, I mean, if I remember right, the statistics were they, after they stopped filming, they had something like 100 hours of footage. And it took three editors to whittle it down. And uh, Rob Reiner actually went uh, up against the Writers Guild trying to get credit for everybody who worked on the film to get writing credit because oh. every actor came up with their own stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, that failed. So they yeah. just did credit for the four main people. Main. Well, that makes sense. I mean, yeah. <coughs> I can I can see both sides of that. So Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the one side is Writers Guild rules and the other side is what was the truth. But, yes, um, exactly. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and I can see both sides of that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, if the Writers Guild just let everybody say written by the cast, then that, I don't know. That, that would have. I, I don't think they would have gone for it. No. Yeah, I don't know um, how they uh, – because this group has gone on to make, as we mentioned earlier, several other mockumentaries. Uh, Waiting for Guffman is is theirs and, and then uh, – Best in Show. Best in Show and, and A Mighty, Mighty Wind. Wind. For Your Consideration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, all of those films are improvised by the cast. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'd have, I got I, – I, ooh, I'm the research guy. I should go look up and see how it's credited. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fascinating movie to watch – just for it, it's so well constructed even though it was so <laughs> put together so in such a freeform way mm-hmm. and and I love the things that came out of it the the weird little absurdities that they all came up with the uh, you know I'd, I'd like to work in a shop perhaps uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> there's a fine line between stupid I, and clever yes. <laughs> all this stuff um, 
Waiting for Guffman, by the way, is simply credited to Christopher Guest and Eugene Levy. Yeah. I think I think Waiting for Guffman had a little bit more structure than than this. Yeah. This this was really this was really no budget. I, I think the whole budget for this thing was about sixty thousand dollars, and they filmed all of it in the L.A. area. They didn't go anywhere else. They did not go to Graceland. They did not no. go to Graceland. They, Darn it all. Yeah. They got stock footage, I think, of of the grave. Yeah. No, they no, no, they no, went, no, no. They, they, they did stand-ins. send a team out there. They had stand-ins. But the to... cast did not go to Graceland. So yeah. any shots of the cast at <laughs> Graceland are not at Graceland. At Graceland, yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I just, uh, you know, and, and as a music writer, as a, as a writer of silly songs, I, I enjoy the lyrics in this, oh, God. <laughs> in this movie yeah. so much. You know where you stand in a hellhole. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and of, of course, Big Bottom is is Big art. Bottom. <laughs> wow, she's got him. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about mud flaps. My girl's got him. <laughs> oh, so good. <laughs> and yet, so terrible at the same yeah. time. But but the, I mean, they're really they really are talented musicians. They all mm-hmm. they play all their own music. Yeah, that and, was impressive. And I did not know any of them were like you know. Even though they all, uh, I, I think they, m- many of them learned instruments for this movie. Okay. I know for well, A Mighty Wind, many of well, them yeah, learned instruments. Well, yeah, but, well, even, well, prior to this, Michael McKeon and Christopher Guest, um, they met in college and they played music together at mm. that time. Okay. So they, they had all, some Yeah, they all background. had trained trained in music. It's just, you know, do you know how to play? A mandolin. Well, a mandolin. <laughs> not yet. Give, give me a couple of weeks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <clears throat> Can you do a guitar so a electric guitar solo with a violin bow? I don't know. <laughs> and then I'll give it a, can't. <laughs> let me give it a shot. How about a sitar? Can you do a sitar? <laughs> oh, I, I lo- that was one of the things I was thinking. They must have had such fun dressing them up for the previous eras. Oh God, you know, because yeah, they've got those. this so distinctive early '80s rock band look, and then they did the you know the kind of <coughs> late '50s, early '60s band you know the kind of mop top kind of look and then they yeah. did the 60s thing with the sitar and just, yeah they must have had so much fun with that i'm just picturing them putting this all together and just giggling madly over if, if, if there's a disappointment to me you know especially yeah. since they say the band's been together for 17 years and produced 15 records it's <laughs> yes. it's this I, I would have loved to see them in in different eras i wanted to see spinal taps disco phase yes <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, eighty-two isn't much past that. No. <laughs> well, and and um, we have the benefit of looking back many, many decades later, mm-hmm. and now they've done a mighty wind, which was the their folk music, the, phase. the folk music phase, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's the same trio of guys. Okay, and and there was actually a concert after this movie where they did Spinal Tap. They toured as Spinal Tap. They toured as Spinal Tap. (laughs) There's so many layers to the onion of This Is Spinal Tap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In that that they make this fake movie about a fake band, which becomes a real band. Yes. And they (laughs) tour. That goes on tour. And they were their own opening act because they were the folk, they did the Folksman act right before doing... Spinal Tap. And everybody who went to see Spinal Tap was like, what the hell is this folk music going on? It's the same damn people. And they had no idea. <laughs> they didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> who 
fooling your own audience. All right. Uh, <laughs> well, and I don't even know if they were trying. And I th- didn't didn't they start doing it before Almighty Wind had even come out? Oh yeah. So the oh, audience, yeah. they, they the didn't audience even have a reference. Didn't even have that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then they're like. Where's my my rock and roll? Where's my fake band? (laughs) Well, a lot of people still didn't know it was a fake band. There were so many people who were just taken in. Well, well, especially like people in the industry. I mean, I know that Ozzy Osbourne probably has some issues with reality, but um, Ozzy Osbourne was one of the people who who watched the movie and didn't understand what other people thought was funny because it's like. This is so this real is, to me. Yeah, this is just life, isn't it? Yeah. There's so many bands who have watched the movie and they've had the experience mm-hmm. of going through the bowels of a theater and they can't find the stage. Can't find the stage. Um, <laughs> I they, know it's around here somewhere. They're literally rock and roll. <laughs> there literally is a, a a a video of Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers doing a concert in Germany and the camera is following them through the t- the tunnels behind the uh, theater and they can't find it. They eventually wind up on a tennis court. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Were they yeah. saying rock? I haven't seen this video. So are they like rock and roll? <laughs> Not quite like that. Not quite like that. But a lot, a lot of, a lot of the little things that you see on stage, like it are references to things, mm-hmm. really silly things that, rock bands have done in the past like but did the, anybody try to play a guitar with a violin with a violin bow okay i not believe the I, actual violin not the actual violin <laughs> i believe that was a led zeppelin thing <laughs> I, I, I think it makes sense it, it yeah. sounds yeah. like led zeppelin yeah. yeah um um when the keyboard keyboard player john sinclair the the story about being booked on an air force base was his oh no <laughs> uh yeah yeah, there's there's so much stuff like that. But when his band was booked on an Air Force play, base, did they play Sex Farm? Yeah. That's no, probably not. Uh, no, say no. Yeah, yeah. well, uh, I suppose probably because the song was written for the movie. Blah blah yeah. blah blah blah. Some of the disappointments <laughs> of reality. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sex Farm. Sex Farm, baby. <laughs> Working on a sex farm. But even more of the 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 reality folding into itself. Um, Shank Hall, which is the fake venue that they're at in Milwaukee, mm-hmm. apparently there, I think now or at least recently was a venue that just called themselves Shank Hall in a reference to the movie. So now it it is or has been a real <laughs> venue for music in Milwaukee. Well, we've been pretending to be a venue. Let's just be a venue. Let's just be a venue. <laughs> and, and of course, you know, choking on vomit is a is a thing that several musicians have died of because that's what Jimmy had but it was usually their own usually their own special spinal tap twist that it's somebody else's vomit (laughs) which is brilliant (laughs) (laughs) it was somebody else's vomit they think you can't dust for vomit. You can't dust for vomit. <laughs> Death by a freak gardening implement incident, was it? Yes, a freak gardening accident, yeah. I think they said. Yeah, and it's best not to investigate it. <laughs> yeah. I love how they said, the officials said it was best not to investigate. Yes. Not yes. anybody else. The officials were the yeah. ones who were like, no, we're not going there. Yeah. <laughs> and again, you know, it's like you sit there and you kind of, as you're thinking about how this goes, right, they're shooting this interview scene. Mm-hmm. And at what point have they, I mean, have they decided before they went in <laughs> that, that the band's drummers have just always died? Or, or is it the point improv? at which Marty DeBerge asks them about how all the drummers died <laughs> right. that they, that that they are like, decided. well, 
I guess we have to explain how all these drummers died. <laughs> and I love that eventually you can do the math to figure out how many drummers there have been because because one of them says there have been 37 people in this band and you can like count the other okay other members yeah, by subtract and the other by, so it's 32 drummers. <laughs> it's a lot of dead drummers. A lot of dead drummers. Yeah. <laughs> but you know maybe this one is the lucky one. You yeah. never know. You know the process of uh, the, you know law of averages. <laughs> yes. Is that what he says? Something like yes. that. Yeah. <laughs> Statistics or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's gambler's fallacy, buddy. It's not how it works. No. No. If if the odds of a drummer dying are seventy five percent, just because the last three drummers died, does not mean yeah, <laughs> does not mean you will not. Safe. Oh yeah, still seventy five percent for you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's seventy five percent daily, yeah. or weekly, or monthly. I mean, I'm just I saying yeah. it's not seventy five percent for all time, or we don't know. I mean, we don't know what the statistics are. From our perspective, the statistics are actually 100%. Yes. (laughs) Well, if the universe is infinite, what can we really say about the end? Um, That 75% of It's a long way away. If I weren't so heavily sedated, I'd be much more worried. (laughs) (laughs) So we should talk a little bit about Rob Reiner, I suppose. Yeah. As a director, he's got uh, some bona fides. Mm-hmm. He, um, many, actually. Uh, he's the son of Carl Reiner, the, yes. the legendary comedian, Dick Van Dyke Show and all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rob is Carl Reiner, Reiner still alive? That I is, believe he is. I think he is. He's like, or he just died. I can't remember. I believe he's still around. He's ancient. I'm doing my research right yeah. now. Yeah. but uh, Gotta love the IMDb. Rob Reiner um, kind of had a- Still alive. Yeah. What? he yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. He both both uh, Carl and Rob have stars on the Walk of Fame and they're right next to each other. Aww. It's so sweet, isn't it? Yeah, it we is. Odd. <laughs> so so Rob Reiner previous to this movie his his the thing he was mo- known for was playing Meathead in All meathead. of the Family. I recognized yeah. him immediately as Meathead cuz I remember that. Yeah, and this was kind of his first big-ish foray into directing. Mm-hmm. And and it and worked out well for him. It worked out well. It was it was well received by critics. Pe- mm-hmm. People caught on to it and became a cult hit. You know, it was the start of the video uh, home video market and, and gained yeah. popularity over the years. And then, just through the eighties and early nineties, he had a tremendous directing streak because mm. he, he made yeah. the, the Princess Bride and When Harry Met Sally and A Few mm-hmm. Good Men and Misery, Stand by Me, The Sure Thing, and you know, just this really solid. Directing yeah. career for many years. He also made North, which we shouldn't talk about. We should never talk about. No, North. We sh- I, sh- I, I, I did not it list up. it for a reason, What's Tim. North? Thank you. Don't. You don't want to know. You do, it's. Mm. It's very bad. Mm. It's just a very bad mm. movie. Mm. It, it was. It was. It's not good. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he's uh, even. Even good directors make bad choices, and that that's Rob Reiner's. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is. Somebody had to do it, I guess. <laughs> <coughs> so yeah excuse me for all the coughing listeners i'm so sorry and he he's also quite a skilled 
uh, improviser. And, and apparently when they were first hatching the idea of, of Spinal Tap, he was originally going to be in the band. And then the others say, you don't look good in spandex. And oh. that was kind of <laughs> turned down. That's so which sad. Which is really it's so sad. sad. But I, I like him as Marty DeBergie. And I love the, I do too. I love this, the name Marty DeBergie because it's Marty, which is a reference to Martin Scorsese. Mm-hmm. D, which is um, Brian De Palma. Uh, the Berg at the end is Steven Spielberg, and the the uh, uh, the I at the end is probably you know Fellini or Antonio, or, you know, <laughs> one of the Italians, and so it's just this <laughs> Marty De Berge, and yeah, that's a Scorsese reference right there. <laughs> <laughs> and he's so he's just so perfect. He kind of has this guileless, happy-go-lucky character, mm-hmm. and it's he's just kind of this perfect entry point into. This, the world of Spinal Tap. The, the, uh, the world's largest rock No, England's loudest rock band. Loudest rock band. Yeah. <laughs> he rock was band. drawn to their peculiar... What, what does he say there? Their something loudness. And their, their punctuality. <laughs> their punctuality. I love that. Punctuality and loudness. Punctuality and loudness. That, what, what, what can be better about a, about a rock band than that? Well, Punctual, how, punctuality is a big thing because yeah. rock time... Sure. Yeah. That's well, how I'm actually unless... hoping to make my mark as an actor. Punctuality mm, and loudness. Punctuality yeah. And yeah. Loudness. <laughs> I mean, in. in yeah. That's, that's how I get If you're going to make your mark as nice. an actor, yeah. <laughs> punctuality. I mean, the show can't really start if you're not no, there. No, that's right. Yeah. You know, unless you're not. Call time. And loudness. Yeah. Call and time loudness, is important. It's like, you know, yeah. people need to hear you. Yeah, they do. So, <laughs> those are both that's, really. That's my goal. Great, great choices. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so glad you approved. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, other other than him, we've got the trio, um, and if we we've talked about most of these people in the well, past. Well, yeah, I mean, we, we did. We, this t- on the, we, did. we on talked the... about them on a mighty wind here yeah. this year, and I think we probably told the story of the them opening for Spinal Tap. Yes, and we probably <laughs> did. <laughs> but, but that was, that was so ago. many episodes yeah. ago, and we were talking <laughs> about Michael McKeon. On if the last you're listening episode. to them in order, you you barely remember them. I, I I've recorded them in order, and I certainly don't remember them. <laughs> I took notes. <laughs> so so Michael McKeon, who we were talking about last episode, you know, he's mm-hmm. married to Annette Tool and he's on Better Call Saul nowadays and he was in Clue and all that fun stuff. So we've talked about him recently. We'll mm-hmm. move on. Christopher Guest, uh, he's the guy who's married to Jamie He was and also Curtis. in Laverne and Shirley. I That's right. Like he, he had the... He, he was Lenny Christopher or Guest. Squiggy. Oh, yeah. No, Michael McKeon. Michael McKeon. Michael McKeon. Michael yeah. McKeon was like yeah. was yes. on yeah. yeah. I was gonna yeah. say well, Christopher Guest was on the furniture. He, he Maybe was, <laughs> he was also on Saturday Night Live. He was a cast member. Very yeah. Early on. Yeah. So well, he's the one I was referring to when I said the dude from Princess Bride. Because I was thinking of Count yeah. Rugen. Christopher so, Guest, yeah. 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 Six-fingered man. Yeah. Yes. Six-fingered yeah. man, yes. Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. <laughs> you killed my father. Prepare to die. He didn't play Inigo Montoya, for, no. No. dear listeners. He played, he did, played the he, man who needed to prepare to die. Yes. Mm. And he did die. He, he did, did die. die. Mm-hmm. And was Spoiler. he prepared? I don't know. I don't think he was. He mm. didn't seem prepared to He me. did not look it. No. He did not look it. He, he, quite surprised. Spoilers. Sorry. Shoot. We already watched Princess Bride for this podcast. I don't think we have... I thought we did. I don't think we have. Now I got to go do my research. Well, fine. Again. Okay. Research so, guy goes do his research guy job. All right. <laughs> so Christopher Guest is the lucky human uh, married to Jamie Lee Curtis, who is amazing. Uh, he is an actual baron. He's a baron. He, he is a baron. He is the fifth baron Hayden Guest of sailing in County Essex. Show wow. off. Yeah. Fancy. But he and Jamie Lee Curtis adopted their children so they cannot 
inherit the barony, and so it would next go to his brother or something. Well, yeah, whatever. I, I looked up way too much there about that. There is no princess bride on our list. <gasps> oh, I, guess. I know what we should do next. <laughs> we... <sighs> That's another one that's going to be hard to find somebody who hasn't seen it. Yeah, but well, we've done the impossible before. It's, yeah, it's happened. It, it can, is. it can, we can work I believe miracles. In you. Yeah, I believe in miracles. <laughs> I don't know what the hell. Is. I, I don't know where that bo- voice <laughs> came from. I, I'm sorry about that. Sorry about that, listeners. <laughs> and then we have Harry Shearer, you know, the mm-hmm. the hairy one, and uh, <laughs> and he is, of course. Uh, one of the voices on The Simpsons, he plays like twenty of the he's like yeah, characters. he's like a hundred of the voices on The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, or something he's, like he's that. Burns it's like everybody and... who's not the family. Yeah, is he's Harry Ned Shearer Flanders or, yeah. and yeah, everybody. Yeah, and all he was also on Saturday Night Live and um, his his debut was in Abbott and Costello Go to Mars. I did not realize his career went that far back. Wow, which was amazing to me. But he, he's got an amazing voice. He does a lot of. Uh, uh, Cartoon voices, and that is most likely where everybody knows him from. Is well, yeah, as his voice. Well, and you know, I did recognize his face. Now I couldn't yeah. place where from, but I did recognize his face. But one thing I was really finding very amusing through this whole thing is, of course, all three of the main characters. You know, in stuff that I'm more likely to see them in recently, you know, usually have the the well groomed sort of innocuous white dude look going on, mm-hmm. and so to see them. In, in the Spinal Tap configuration was very entertaining with the with the stringy hair. Because <laughs> yes, you know the, now they're, they're they're looking like you know teachers or lawyers or whatever for, you know, ordinary people. Yeah, and then <laughs> just I kept it kept like flashing through my head at weird points during the movie. I was kind of enjoying that. <laughs> oh, that spandex and long straggly hair. Yes. <laughs> uh, Harry Shearer and cucumbers wrapped in tinfoil. <laughs> Now, see, if he just had avoided the tinfoil, he could have avoided that well, whole problem. When you think well, about I it, think... I mean, I feel like it would get it would get soft and squishy and maybe a little little eventually well, kind yeah, of... I think it'd be uncomfortable. Yeah. With or without tinfoil, I think With it would be uncomfortable. With or without tinfoil, I think yeah. we can safely say that would be uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, saran wrap? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Sure. And then you don't have the metal detector. Yeah. I mean, is that the first time he's had that problem? Does he just... I mean... I assume he stuffs his tights for shows. Yeah. (laughs) So did he just accidentally leave it in (laughs) after a show? This isn't his his first time going to the airport. (laughs) (laughs) I think think it may have been on purpose. They've traveled across the pond before. Were they always taking a cruise ship before then? And they have metal detectors, but I mean, I don't know about the Maybe 80s. Maybe he previously stuffed the cucumber in a sock or something, and this time he was out of socks, so he grabbed well, some tinfoil. Well, maybe he usually put it in his pockets, and so he, you unload yeah. the pockets, and the, sure. there goes the cucumber. and Sure. Huh. And nobody, and it's just a tinfoil wrapped cucumber, and nobody knows what he uses it for. It's just sitting there innocuously in the tray. <laughs> Well, he wraps, just, he wraps it in tinfoil because he's going to eat it later. Yeah, and you want to keep, yeah. yeah and, and it's snack it's just yeah. like, this is my, my lunch. You eat, not, you eat raw cucumbers? Sure. What's your fucking problem, pal? Cucumber, well, he has a tuning fork. And yeah. it, it's well, maybe healthy. it's part of tuning. He's not, he's not padding his trousers. He's packing a snack. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was or, or, packing something. Or, <laughs> <laughs> oh, snap. Or, okay. or it could be multiple purpose. Yes. It really could be. It's padding his trousers yeah. and packing a snack. It's It's a life hack. 
<laughs> you need to look well endowed, but you're also going to get hungry later. Yeah. There you go. Pro tip. Pro tip. <laughs> but wrap yeah, it in tinfoil. Yeah, think... Avoid the tinfoil if you're going to the airport. Yes, I think right. that, yeah, maybe. maybe The body scanner would go nuts over there. The saran wrap is a much better idea. <laughs> Thank you. I thought I, so. I, I, Nobody body scan me. Body scanners still have problems with the saran wrap, I think. <laughs> oh, what? the world we live in. Oh, the body scan. Yeah, scanner. it'd be like, what the scanners, fuck yeah. is Today's that? technology is just... <laughs> it'd be like, sir, what is in your pants? <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> I don't know. What's in yours? <laughs> <laughs> you'd be so offended. Uh, so uh, offended. Oh, God. Um, it's, uh, I, you know, the great thing, the thing that's entertaining about this movie is all these moments that you just like, oh, yeah, that was that was that was that moment. It was hilarious. The, yes. <laughs> the metal detector. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's it's all this little stuff. And it, all the um, all the main actors are so good at playing <coughs> it. It seems like they're playing it low key mm-hmm. and they're really not. <laughs> I just I just love how the stuff. All of these little things just kind of sneak up and grab you. It's like, you can't really dust but, vomit. Uh, but, I mean, <laughs> they are – there is a story. There is an arc that they that they come up with in the midst of all this chaos. There's even an emotional core to the story. There's the conflict mm-hmm. between the girlfriend and Nigel. and Yeah. You've got, yeah, you've got one character that's clearly – in love with another character and yes. hasn't said anything about it. Yes. And and they just they they just and then the movie never is like it never resolves it. Mm-hmm. It never says it out loud, but it is there in its subtext. <laughs> oh yeah. And it's well done subtext. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um I I think it's just great use of sim- uh, the cinematography there because the the camera always moves just right at the right moment to catch Nigel just Looking stink, at David, just that subtle stink eye, or or just just a little something there, mm-hmm. it, and it's so it's so well played, and I love it. <laughs> I love it so much. David, and then David just doesn't get it. He David doesn't get it. it. Yeah, David seems like a very oblivious. Individual. He does seem kind mm-hmm. of oblivious. Yeah. And heavily sedated. <laughs> heavily sedated. <laughs> he didn't like the sweatshirt his girlfriend made for him. Oh my god, that sweatshirt is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Can I take this off now? I want to go back and play video games with the yes. guys. Yes. <laughs> such a god. <laughs> such a, a man child thing to say. I wouldn't take the sweatshirt off so I can go play with my, <laughs> I go play with my friends. I don't wanna <laughs> I don't wanna lose face in front of the rockers. You don't have to. Yeah, it's it's like oh, the god. it's like the, the pink bunny suit in, in Christmas story moment. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Just okay, I've put it on. I have fulfilled my obligation. Yes. Now, may now I let us off? never speak of this sweater again. <laughs> the, the drawings of the, the new the new costume proposal. <laughs> Here's a crab face. <laughs> <laughs> Everything was according to the to the um, astrology. Uh, astrology. Yeah. I mean, but, and the band was apparently a Virgo. The, the band was a Virgo. The band as a whole was a Virgo. I assume I that means that's when the band was formed. Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's kind of where I was going with it. But, but which band? I mean, there's been 37 <laughs> members. Yeah. Is it when Spinal Tap was formed? Because they had at least four names before. Yeah. Or, or maybe you take all of the signs of the current members and you average them together. Oh, yeah, you add them together and you divide by four. Five. Five. <laughs> Sorry. However many. Oh, I, don't know, I don't know if you can count the drummer. I don't feel <laughs> well, like. Well, yeah, you can. You just have to be 
stay with the current drummer, and then like the sign shifts every time you get a yeah, new drummer. Yeah, I mean, with the yeah, with the band sign would change every time. Yeah, it would. It, yeah. or maybe you just but have to. Also, the group dynamic would change, so that kind of works. Maybe the maybe the drummer is always the same sign. That's why they're always dumb enough to go. Sure, I'll be a member of this band, even though I'm going to die within two years. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's the idiot sign? We got to find a new drummer. <laughs> <laughs> By average, they go through two d- drummers a year at least. Yeah, I mean that's that's, that's amazing. Drummers. No, not at least, but two drummers a year. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's pretty remarkable. That's a lot. I mean, of maybe there's some years where they went through a few extras, four or five. Yeah, so yeah. They have some drummers who maybe last a little while. Maybe spaced. Maybe yeah. one of them made it a whole year. Oh wow, that that, <laughs> that really sucks for some of the other drummers. I know. <laughs> All right, well, oh man. <laughs> Like a week and they're gone. What, what if like twenty five of them went in the same year? Oh my gosh! <laughs> like that, two a month. You yeah, know? this might be their longest lasting drummer. We don't know. I can feed in tonight's show. Oh man! Oh. <laughs> All the drummers have weird nicknames. At least too. one of them must have just accidentally stabbed himself through the eye with a drumstick. Yeah, D- you did yeah. notice that the the drummer by the end of the film is named Joe Besser, right? I, I did, although I don't get the reference. Three Stooges. Oh. oh, so there, there was always a, a you know, there's Curly, and then there was uh, Shemp, and then there was Joe Besser, and you know, they mm-hmm. they, they had a kind of continually rotating. Okay. I'd slot heard that there name too. before, but I wasn't going to be able to place a reference. So thank you. Yeah, that's hmm. that's your all right, so Melissa, are there any um, um, important notes that we need to hit before we go to final well, thoughts just a, on this just a couple of them. Um, just kind of tying back to more um, rock history. Um, one of my favorite ones is um, just in general is something that happened like two years prior to this movie, and I don't know. I, I feel like the the scene where Nigel is playing with the bread and the the meat on the platter and saying that the meat's the wrong size for <laughs> the bread, and if you keep folding it, and he, he has a little hissy fit over it. I feel like that's a reference to the the famous uh, Van Halen and the brown M&Ms mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. So, dear listeners, if you're not in on this one, um, there was in... Uh, Van Halen's contracts in the early 80s, specifically for the 1982 <coughs> World Tour, I think it was, um, that they stipulated in the contract that there was to be, in their dressing room, a bowl of M&M's with absolutely no brown M&M's in it. Mm-hmm. And, and then it became just a running joke. And it became a running joke. But the the thing is... That had a purpose. It, it did. For it did. Abs- I found out about that later. Yes. For as yeah. absurd as it sounds, Van Halen was one of the first bands to have a really elaborate stage show. They mm-hmm. just show up with like 10 semi-trucks of stuff. Yes. And um, their their con- their venue contract was enormous mm-hmm. and incredibly technical. So... <laughs> um, and, and so they buried in the contract the the thing with the M&Ms mm-hmm. and no brown M&Ms in it. And so they knew that if they walked into the venue and saw the snacks in the room and they saw a bowl of M&Ms with, with brown M&Ms, mm-hmm. they knew that the venue had not read the contract mm-hmm. and they have to check everything about the venue. They have to yeah. make sh- they had to make sure like the floor would 
support the mm-hmm. weight of the stage. They had to make sure the girders sure. could support the lighting, all that stuff, because if they didn't, somebody could die. <laughs> it was their warning bell. It was their canary yeah. in the mine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. To was... make sure that they were going to be safe, they needed to see that somebody had gone over this in detail. Mm-hmm. And detail meant no brown M&Ms. And yes. Yeah. yeah, I found that out later, too. And I was like, oh, that's brilliant. It is. That's brilliant. And everybody made terrible fun of them for it, for being so demanding. <laughs> but no, it was their keeping themselves safe, which is... Yeah. Laudable. Yeah. And, and like the, the other snacks, I, I actually have like a little screenshot on my phone of like part of the contract. The the munchies part mm-hmm. was uh, like potato chips and some assorted dips and nuts and pretzels, mm-hmm. M&Ms, no brown ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, 12, 12 in parentheses with the number sure. 12. Uh, Reese's peanut butter cups, exactly 12. Wow. <laughs> 12 assorted Danon yogurts on ice. You know, it's <laughs> a, nothing, nothing elaborate. It's yeah. just the brown M&M's thing. Yeah. Um, I did hear, God, I can't remember which band this was, but um, <laughs> there was another <laughs> band that threw a hissy fit because the caviar in their uh, their room wasn't the proper consistency to throw at people. <laughs> So, oh, well. so that wasn't exactly a strange thing no. <laughs> for contract writers, but at but least the Van Halen one specifically was for was a legit. It was real. I yeah. love that story. Mm-hmm. David Lee Roth actually uh, That's wrote in about it in his autobiography. Yep, that they that they did that. Yeah, and that uh, that apparently he trashed the trashed well. They were at a venue, and he knew that, and and they knew that the staging was going to be too heavy yeah. for the venue, and and he because it was like a gym floor. It yeah, had, and he had figured out that they had not mm-hmm. read the contract because you know he goes in and there's a brown M and M's, and so at that point he he essentially decided mm-hmm. to be the pain in the ass rock star and threw a hissy fit, <laughs> mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then it turned into this legend that he'd caused eighty six thousand dollars of damage to the venue when he threw a hissy fit oh. when they didn't have. The brown M and M's removed when, in fact, it what caused the had, damage was yeah. the fact that they had not read the writer, so sure. they were not aware that their stage mm-hmm. was unprepared to support the weight of yeah. the show. Um, which you know, it's, but it's, it's just so easy to blame the rock stars. Well, and I, it sounds like <laughs> David Lee Roth was like, "Oh, yeah, whatever. It's a good story. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it adds to the David Lee Roth mystique. I'm sure. cool. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. yeah, he was just riding that." <laughs> <laughs> What else, Melissa? Um, the only the only other thing I've got is uh, J.K. Rowling actually cites this movie as an inspiration for her treatment of the uh, uh, Defense Against the Dark Arts teachers because they're like the drummers of Spinal Tap. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh, they never last more than a year. Yep. Harry Potter. Influenced by this is Spinal Tap. (laughs) This is why this is why Roger Ebert called it a great movie. All right, so we have arrived at uh, final thoughts, and of course we uh, will give Allison the first opportunity to give us her final thought on this is Spinal Tap. Well, I am loud and I'm punctual, and I have final thoughts. Um, (laughs) First of all, a final thought is that I have a life goal of being loud and punctual. (laughs) (laughs) This movie has inspired you to better yourself. (laughs) <laughs> Although to be fair, I've always been pretty punctual. All right, well, <laughs> loud too. Louder, louder. Yeah, just work on the loud. Um, yeah. So I, I really enjoyed it. That was a lot of fun. It was awesome. very silly and very ridiculous and absolutely wonderful. So I thought it was great. Melissa, your final thoughts on okay, Spinal Tap. So Christopher Gaston, Jamie Lee Curtis decided to get a Tesla one day. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> 
<laughs> and uh, so they order their Tesla and they they go to pick it up and the technician goes, did did you did you notice the the air conditioning and the and all the dials in the car? They all go up to eleven. <laughs> Elon Musk is a fan. <laughs> so when he found out Christopher Guest was going to get a Tesla, all the dials go to eleven. <laughs> right. My final thought. Oh, that's beautiful. Now tails off of that. I had a different one, but it wasn't that interesting because I sit here and I think, all right, well, it's Christopher Guest and Jamie Lee Curtis. So for Christopher Guest, all the dials went to 11. And I'm just worried that for Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Myers was in the trunk. Oh, no. <laughs> well, at least we know with the most recent movie, she could kick his ass. So, <laughs> so I, I, I'm not. I've never worried about Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, I just saw her yeah. in September. You know, she's fine. She's, yeah. So, she's but, but I'm just saying that, you know, it makes me worry what, what Jamie Lee Curtis is. <laughs> yeah. What was her surprise? Surprise was. Um, nonetheless, uh, I certainly do enjoy this film. I've said many uh, kind things about it, and it's definitely worth checking out if for some reason you decided to listen to this podcast without watching this is spinal tap i hope you now do yes uh, <laughs> because certainly many of the jokes we've made over the last half hour will make more sense <laughs> that's true mm-hmm. yeah and there are many more that await you many more many many many, many visual gags and you too and can be loud and punctual loud <laughs> and punctual we didn't even mention the alien pods <laughs> You know, a blowtorch is the best. You know, books. you know what's going to happen. You're watching the whole thing, and you're like, "Oh, I know what's going to happen." Yep, it's, yep. It's and it's gonna, the inevitability of it. It's, it's going to open just in time. Yes. <laughs> and then it's like, is he going to go back in there, or is he going to be like, "No way, I'm not going to go into that fucking thing ever again." I know the final thought that <laughs> I forgot to say, which is. Um, my favorite thing that they do in that movie and, and the kind of it, – it's a Hitchcockian kind of comedy, you know, because Hitchcock mm-hmm. always talked about, you know, how suspense is mm-hmm. knowing that a bomb is under the table but it doesn't go off. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my favorite Hitchcockian moment in this is knowing the Stonehenge is a foot and a half tall. Yes. <laughs> but the band doesn't. Yes. <laughs> and, and as hilarious as their response to it is, you're just laughing going, oh, oh. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited to see when this happens. <laughs> and, and, and the, the, <laughs> the camera's on. Nigel, and you just see it descend from the ceiling behind him. Yeah, at first I wasn't sure if it was actually coming in or if I was like seeing a picture or what. Oh, okay. Oh, I see what's happening. And then then David's staring at it, and Nigel's playing his 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 solo, and he doesn't even realize what's going on for a while until he turns around and these these dwarves are kicking this little stone. (laughs) And like the wires don't even reach the floor, so it's just there. It's an amazing, amazing, amazing piece of comedy and super well played. So uh, that's it. We we saw this is Spinal Tap. We had a plan for what we're going to watch next, but I'm calling an audible. Uh, the next movie we're going to watch is going to be The Princess Bride. Okay. Oh. So we get to right. follow. Uh, uh, we get to follow Christopher Guest, but also uh, Billy Crystal, who Billy had a Crystal. cameo in yeah. this well, film. The, the timing is good because I just read the book. Oh. oh. Dun, dun, and, dun. and actually, the the author just passed away too. So. Dun dun dun. But, and so that's sad. But dun yeah. dun dun. 
That's and, your sad. Dun, and the, dun, dun. the new Deadpool, and the new Deadpool movie references it in the uh, trailer. Dun, 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 dun. In the in the in the PG thirteen trailer. In the PG thirteen trailer. That's awesome. Okay, uh, so so come back for that. It, it could be a challenge. It's going to be exciting to try and find somebody who hasn't seen the Princess Bride. But if anybody can do it, yep. We can do it. You can yep. do it. We will do it. I, I thought it was going to be difficult finding somebody who hadn't seen This is Spinal Tap, but that actually turned out to be super easy. So, yeah. so <laughs> up next, up next, The Princess Bride. This is going to happen. <laughs> okay. This is going to happen. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs> Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed our film fixation. We'll see you next time on A Real Education. Dee, dee.